Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are saying as long as there is breath in our bodies, we will not forget you. If we don't deal with this issue now, the problem will get bigger. The lack of empathy. These women need to get over themselves. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I was going to start this morning by complaining about the humidity last night. Is it just me or was it the most humid night of the whole summer? And I include the heatwave in July. I just found it the hardest night to sleep all through summer. It was crazy humid. But then I thought, you know, just mention it. But we have a far more serious thing and you wonder about me lying awake feeling a bit hot and sweaty in the middle of the night does that really matter at all when you see that we've got another one of these awful awful stories down in a beautiful beautiful place in a beautiful part of the country Lichnaw or Lichna in County Kerry depending on, on where you're from I guess Lichnaw Lichna tiny little place, a little hamlet of a place in North Kerry and Old English has it on the examiner Gardaí investigating a suspected murder-suicide tragedy which has claimed three lives parents we think in their 60s and a son in his 20s the Daily Star, mother and son shot dead, dad kills them and then himself in murder-suicide Irish Independence says family of three found dead after suspected murder-suicide Three members of the same family have died in a suspected double murder and suicide. County Kerry understood to be a husband and their and wife and their adult son. The alarm was raised last evening, so before more or less all the papers went to print, they had it. Front page of the Irish Daily Mail, three members of the same family died in a suspected double murder-suicide. It's the same thing over and over again, but and we've had the same kind of story over and over again in this country. Uh, the Irish Times also uh, just doesn't it doesn't make... Oh, there it is, front page of the Irish Times as well. Barry Roach, Gardaí have begun an investigation. And Mooney from the Irish Sun uh, joins me to bring us up to speed on what we know uh, this morning. Anne, uh, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Good 
Good morning, PJ. Uh, these things are happening way too frequently up and down the country. What can you tell us about the latest one? Well, this latest one, um, was, the alarm was raised about about 9 o'clock last night uh, when a neighbour called uh, to this bungalow home um, at, uh, near the village of Lixnow, um, uh in a rural area. Um, and discovered uh, the bodies of a mother and her son. The woman was in her 60s and the son was in his 20s, um, lying dead in the um, in the house. Um, Gardaí were alerted and uh, um, Gardaí arrived at the scene um, but couldn't find the third member of the family, um, the husband uh, who was missing. Um, the members of the armed response unit were called in from Cork and uh, search began and the body of that man was found at the rear of a neighbour's house um, with um, I believe a shotgun um, at his beside. He was obviously dead as well. So Gardaí um, are treating this as a double murder suicide um, and they're not looking for anybody else PJ. Yeah. Um, it, it it's just one of those awful tragedies and to be honest with you um i've been covering so many of them now in the past in the past year that um it makes you wonder what's happening in rural ireland um where where we've had Canturk, we've had Mitchellstown, um you know we we've, we've just had a spate of these type of uh, family deaths mm. through murder murder suicides mm. do we know anything about the family at this point, uh, Anne. We we know that um, we we actually know that the that that the man uh, was a former bus and truck driver, and he also farmed in in this area and kept sheep. Um, their son um, worked for an agricultural contractor, I believe, um, and they are all from that Bally Raheen area, mm. um, which is, as I say, just outside the. Um, the, the, the North Cork, that, that Lixnaw village in, in North Carrick. And did the young man live with his parents? And uh, Apparently, yes, um, but that hasn't been confirmed yet. Sure. Sure. Um, I assume that once uh, once the guard investigation gets underway that there will be a press conference at some stage today uh, by Gardaí. Um, the, the services of the diplomatologists have, have been called in, as have the uh, services of the guard, the technical bureau, and they're expected to arrive at the scene at some stage, probably around lunchtime today. Um, both scenes have been preserved, and uh, they will be um, thoroughly examined uh, before the bodies are removed to uh, University Hospital uh, Kerry in Tralee. Okay. Uh, where post-mortem is expected to be carried out on all three bodies. Okay, And as you say, it, it'll be many days, if not weeks, before we know the full extent of, of what, uh, what tragedy yeah, unfolded. Think, yeah, I think it's going to be one of those mysteries where, um, where definitely people will be speculating, as always happens in these cases, PJ, but uh, I, I also assume that, you know, um, there'd be no valid explanation as to why something like this happened. There really never is. No, you know, there isn't. No, there yeah. isn't. Yeah. No, yeah. there isn't. You often, when, and even when you get the explanation, as you sometimes do, you, you stand back and you go, is that what it was all about? Yes, and and um, in this case, it doesn't appear, as was the case in Canturk, where it was, uh, where it was a dispute over a will and leaving a family farm to one member of the family as opposed to the other member. Um, but, but here, 
you know, um, it wouldn't appear that uh, that this would be the case, you yeah, know. From from what we know at this point, anyway. And thank you very much. That's uh, Anne Mooney of the Irish Sun bringing us up to speed on yet another murder suicide tragedy. And I guess it's only fair to remind you that if you're affected by any of this story or any element of this story, you can call the Samaritans at 116123. You can call Pieta at 1800 247 You can call your GP. You can call 999 or 112 if you suspect that someone is in trouble. Or just talk to your friend or talk to somebody. Tell someone you're not feeling right. Ask somebody for help because it is always there. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. See MIG.ie. Focus what you mean, got my eyes on the prize, that's me. Manchester City are the champions. Number one, that's top of the league. The best football league in the world is right here. Firmino with the flick, Salah! Fernandez, he's going to go for goal, whoa, what a goal. The Premier League Live, powered by Top Sport. Join me, Trevor Welch, exclusively online at 96fm.ie. Tune in Saturdays as we ramp up the excitement for the day's biggest games. We'll bring you pre-match analysis, live commentary and in-depth interviews with some legends of the sport. The Premier League Live With Now Stream live Premier League action With a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership Listen every Saturday Exclusively online at 96fm.ie Or download the Cork's 96fm app Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850-715-996 On Cork's 96fm just before I move on to something else, do you know any youngster at the moment who is off school because of a COVID alert, as in they're a close contact or they either have COVID? Because the numbers, according to the Irish Independent this morning and according to the morning news, 14,000 children around the country now off school, either as close contacts or a confirmed case. 14,000 was the, the number given out last evening. It's a huge amount of, of kids. And you hear, anecdotally at least, you hear people talking, oh, it is rampant in such and such a school, or there's a whole class out here, or there's, yes, there's two or three pods gone there. Anybody in a school in Cork who's actually affected by this and how it's being handled, give us a, give us a call at 1850-715-996. And that looks bad, but we should take a look at the bigger picture as well. And listening to Liam Fanning in the news as well, uh, on the bigger picture, the numbers are going in the right direction, which is great because, look, there was 1,470 new cases yesterday. And again, that's a a scary enough number. But when you drill down into it, the number of patients in hospital is going down a little. It was down 17 from Monday. Uh, The number of patients in intensive care still 59.60. Now, the seven-day moving average is just under 1,500 now, whereas last week it was just over 18 or just over 1,700. So that's a drop. And the 14-day incidence per 100,000 population-wise, that's 472. But this time last week it was 523. So the, the trends are in the right direction. 
So you got the worry about the schools, which is legitimate worry. And again, if, if anybody's family has been affected by it, then do give me a call at 1850 or pop it into a WhatsApp voicemail at 83 396 and pop it off to us at Cork's 96FM. I would like to know how it affects a family or how it affects a household when someone gets an alert like that. 185715996. Uh, Thomas Gould of Sinn Féin was on with me a week or two ago talking about the proposal for a bill to outlaw the use of credit cards in gambling. At the time, he said to me that that was not new, that it was happening elsewhere and it was just something that would be new to Ireland. Uh, is is that to come before the doyle in the new session? Thomas, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, yes, PJ. As you said there, last month I launched uh, the Sinn Féin strategy for gambling for the 26 counties, and in it there were a number of recommendations. And what I did yesterday now is I launched my first uh, bill in relation to banning the use of credit cards for people gambling either online or in stores. So what what we're doing is now we're, we've brought out a policy and no one will try to implement the policy. Uh, we've been talking to different groups and what we're hoping to do now is get cross-party support from all the parties and none to support this. I think most people see the common sense of not allowing people to gamble money they don't have, yeah. especially people who would have... Like we know for a fact from... Uh, from research that was done by Minute University that there are at least 55,000 people in the state who are problem gambling gamblers and that we also then have people who are in the throes of addiction so allowing those people to gamble with credit cards uh, it's just not right and, and so, there is so, precedent this isn't new you just want to have it done here Yes, it, it happens in England, it happens in a number of other countries across Europe and the world. Uh, in actual fact, the Lateral Lottery brought in a situation last year where you can't gamble online with them using credit cards. Some of the, uh, the big gambling companies are looking at banning it for live events because they see a spike on people when there are events live on the TV or online. People kind of get a, a, an urge to gamble. But they're looking at that. But to be honest, PJ, what we're looking for is a complete ban on use of credit cards for gambling. If like I have no problem if people want to gamble for entertainment or enjoyment. Mm. This won't affect them. This will affect the people who have a problem with gambling and who are at risk of losing their homes, losing their jobs, running up huge debts. Mm. And what we're trying to do is protect these people. And at least if it's a debit card, then it's money that you have. Yes, that's the. You big probably difference. shouldn't be spending it, but at the at, at the same time you have it. But if you're if you're using a credit card, you're borrowing money to gamble. And what we're looking to do, PJ, is that when gambling companies, we'd give them six months to implement this, and then if they don't do it, uh, we would either we would cancel their license or refuse to renew it. Mm. No, that would be a big thing for them. That's what they've done in other jurisdictions, and we like PJ when you're looking at. All the problems we have in the country, this is a huge issue, isn't a huge issue. But for 55,000 people and their families, 
Mm. because it's the families that all... You know, Thomas, I'm not too sure I'd agree with you there, and this is your legislation, but I'm not too sure I'd agree with you that this isn't a huge... I think this is an enormous problem because it's quiet and insidious and it eats away not just at the person but their family and everything around them. And in terms of addiction, and this has been argued on the programme many times, you know, an alcoholic will, will get sick, a drug addict will get sick, but a gambler has no hangovers... Doesn't 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 look dishevelled, you know? That they, they don't they don't appear to have a problem until it catches up with them and their household. Unless it's and PJ, you're right. Until it's too late for the people, this affects. It has a devastating impact on their lives, and for those families, it's not until it's too late. And it goes back to your point here. For a lot of gamblers, it's unseen. It's done. No one knows what's happening. No one knows they're in the throes of addiction. And that's why we need this kind of support now. Okay. And PGI have often come on the radio. Are you confident, sorry? Are you confident getting it through? I'm very hopeful. I, it'll come down now to whether the government are genuine about protecting vulnerable people. Yeah. And the thing about the PGA, in 2013, the government had legislation ready to go. And it's up in Dublin now, sitting on the shelf, okay. that they've left there for eight years. Well, one thing you will need, if you're going to get this through, is to get the, the government parties on side. Uh, one thing, or one way that you won't get the parties on side is if you go ahead with something like what Pierce Doherty was suggesting on the news last evening. Is there a likelihood that Sinn Féin will bring a motion of no confidence in Simon Coveney? Does he deserve it? Well, I think the first thing is we need the Taoiseach to come out and make a statement. Last night, a spokesman for the Taoiseach came out and issued a statement like having spokespeople speaking for Michal Martin or Taoiseach is not good enough. This is a really serious issue. And PGI was up in Leinster House yesterday launching my bill now in relation to banning on credit cards. And no one cared about it. All people were talking about was uh, the appointment to Catherine Sapone, about cronyism, about um, the whole culture within Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil that they can, they can do what they want. I was up there yesterday now trying to protect families who are at risk and who are suffering. And that's the problem with all this, PJ. It's going on too long. Well, it's, it's, out, it's, it's, it's blurring what some people yes. might say are bigger yes. issues. It, it's a big enough issue in itself, but it's blurring what people might say are bigger issues. And what I'm trying to tell you, Thomas, is if you want a good political atmosphere through which to get your gambling bill, is it time to, for, for Sinn Féin and others to, to, to back off and let it play out on the government side? Well, you see, Peter, every time we ask questions, we're getting more answers. What's after happening here now? And it only happened because uh, John Brady and other people in Shin and Matt Carty were asking really tough questions. It turns out now that former Minister Catherine Sapone contacted a number of Fianna Gael ministers yeah. looking for a job to be appointed. PJ, why don't you give Simon a ring or Leo Varadkar a ring, the tallest chair, and ask them for a job? Why, why couldn't the listeners who are listening to us this morning ring up a minister or the toilet or the Taoiseach and ask him for a job? It's completely wrong okay. that these people have this kind of access and it goes to the heart of the cronyism. The biggest problem here, PJ, is they don't think they've done anything wrong. Now, we all make mistakes in life, but you know as well as me, when you make a mistake, you know it yourself. Okay. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael think they can do this. And so, so what, how, like how, how do they clean it up? I mean, is this a case of Simon Coveney's head has to roll? 
Well, the first thing here is the Taoiseach must come out and make a statement. Does he believe uh, the comments that Simon has made, Simon Coveney has made at the two meetings he's attended, and does he accept it? In the comments he's made in the last couple of days, he he spoke right to the media. He said what it does is it shows that these appointments have to be made more carefully in future. We have to learn from this. Yes, but that's no saying talking about after the fact. The question here is, does he believe what happened with this appointment was it correct, okay. yes or no, and what's he going to do about it? Okay, and, and, and the next actions of Sinn Féin, I think I'm getting from you, will depend on that. Thomas, leave it there. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, Thomas Gould, Sinn Féin, TD for Cork North Central, 1850-715-996. Simon Coveney was before the Erectus Committee yesterday for the second time in a week and, and certainly trying to, I suppose, trying to clear up the mess of the last week. Due to the sloppiness of some of my answers to your legitimate questions last week. We're back here again in order to, I hope, bring clarity to outstanding issues once and for all. A lot has been said and written about me in the context of Catherine Zappone and her proposed appointment as a special envoy. The fact is that I have contributed to much of that criticism and commentary. I've had the privilege of being in public life for 23 years as a TD, an MEP, and a government minister. I've made mistakes on that journey, but this is the first time that my integrity has been questioned on political actions. And while the Taoiseach has understandably sought to put some context around the political controversy of a part-time temporary appointment, in truth, this has rumbled on for far too long and should have come to an end on the basis of a clear and credible explanation well before now. Something else that occurred to me watching and listening to that, uh, there was, look, three Fine Gael ministers, Pascal, Donoghue, the other Edgar and Simon Coveney were involved in this exchange of text messages at some point or other, all involved with Catherine Zappone. This thing was brewing for four months, not four days, not four weeks, four months. And the question I'd be asking myself, if I was the Taoiseach now, would be, come here, not only is this fella a minister in my government, he's my constituency colleague. We've served together as TDs for Cork North, Cork South Central for 20 odd years. Does he have that level of disrespect for me? That at some point he didn't consider me worth picking up the phone to and say, come here, um, Michal, Simon here, this thing may or may not become a thing, but I'm just giving you the heads up. Like, would that have not have been basic respect for the Taoiseach, for his constituency colleague, for someone he'd served in both local and national politics in for 20 years? That'd be the question I'd be asking myself. Let's see if Jerry Buttermer can address that next. 1857 Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The Cork's 96FM music panel gives you the power to pick our playlist. Click 96FM.ie now. 96FM.ie now. Take the 10-minute survey and you could win a 100 euro shopping voucher. The power to pick what we play. Pick what we play. 
Join the Quirks 96 FM music panel. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or see 96fm.ie. There's just a thing to think about. Like, this is the governing body of the country. And a couple of members of the governing body are talking about something. And they never, none of them, bother to bring it to the attention of the chairman of the board. That this might or might not become a thing. And I'd be asking myself, if I was Michal Martin, does Simon Coveney have that little respect for me? That he wouldn't have said, come here, Michal, it might come to nothing, but just so you know. Senator Jerry Bottomer, am I right or wrong? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Could I just, before you answer that, could I just go back to what Tom Gould spoke about earlier, if I may, because in the interest of balance, PJ, uh, it should be recognised that former Minister Dave Stanton, as Minister of State in the Department of Justice, progressed the Gaming and Lotteries Amendment Act uh, and, and carried out a huge swathe of work and okay. three edges of scrutiny uh, on the gambling situation. Can I just make this other point, if I may, please? Government are working on the Gambling and Regulations Bill, uh, which many of us have contributed to with the appointment of a gambling regulator. Uh, and where I agree with you is this is a gargantuan problem, PJ, and you are 100% correct. It's insidious, it needs to be tackled immediately, and we need to put in place supports and structures and, and legislation to make up legislation and gambling. Well, well, would you support a ban on the use of credit cards then? I, I would give it absolute consideration, but I would say to Tom Gould, yes or no? stop, coming, stop coming on the radio peddling that as Sinn Féin are doing the work, when in fact it was Dave Stanton okay. started it. Okay. James okay. Brown as the minister now is progressing right. it. So, would you, know, would you support the idea done. to ban credit cards though, Jerry? I would absolutely give every consideration, PJ, to supporting any legislation that makes the issue of gambling less okay. promiscuous, less pernicious and more, as okay. you said, to, to protect and safeguard families and people. Because it is, as you said, an awful in this on okay. people. And if you read, for example, Oshie McCombs' book and listened to him speak, I did. you will hear and you will see... And we all know people who are gamblers, PJ, who the effect it has on them Absolutely. and on their families. And Absol- we and listening to Oshin sure. would frighten the living life out of anybody. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Ter- 100%. Jerry, let, let's move to the, to the matter at hand. And I, I, I'm making it very local and very personal because I know you, and I know Simon, and I know Michal, and I know for, for a very, very long time. And I would have thought that if, if Simon Coveney had respect for Michal Martin, and I mean personal man-to-man respect. He would have said at some stage over the last four months, look, Michal, it may come to nothing, but why didn't he do that? Well, I suppose, first of all, PJ, Simon Coveney, as you and I both know, is a person of the utmost integrity. I've worked with him for the 23 years of his political life. He's an absolutely extraordinary politician. He's a good politician. His only motivation is, is Cork, is Ireland, and is a people. He apologised for not informing Michal Martin of this. It was a, an error in terms of the process, and the process should have been more transparent and should have been more open. We all accept that. But let's put it in context, PJ. This, this is an envoy position created. No, hold on. Let's, uh, let, no, let, let's, let's deal with it. it doesn't matter, actually, it doesn't matter whether it's an envoy or a nomination for president. It actually doesn't matter. Something well, with, was there, no, no, hold on. The, the, the three okay. Fine Gael members of Cabinet were tic-tacking with a former member of a previous cabinet, organising or helping to organise a job for her at UN level. And nobody bothered, none of your party bothered to tell the Taoiseach of the day, your coalition partner, that this might or might not happen. It shows to me an awful level of disrespect. Well, first of all, a mark of a man is that he apologised. Secondly, he rang on Taoiseach that night to apologise. 
Thirdly, he volunteered to come before the committee, not once, but twice. Uh, and he answered comprehensively yesterday every question and, and clarified to me everything about it. He, he apologised that he didn't tell the Taoiseach in advance. You saw that there was 20-odd items before the Cabinet agenda. Yes, it, it should have happened. Yes, there should have been uh, contact between the pre-Cabinet meeting with the government advisers to flag this. Yes, we all accept that. But to say that, that Simon Coveney is a person who acts with, with, with low standards in public life is unfair. He's a man that I've worked with, as I said. He mm. has one interest, Cork. Ireland and the people that he works for and serves. Um, there was a mistake made here. That's the sad part about it, Peter, that the invite position created has been gone. As a member of the LGBT community, I would have loved to have seen it. An and you know what? Here's the thing, Jerry, and I'll say this straight out. She probably would have been, would have been very good at it. That's the sad part. She probably would have been <laughs> no, very good at the job. She would have been, she would have been very good. She would have been, but I think that's actually irrelevant here. You know, we, but, 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 but PJ, can I make this point? One arm of cabinet this, this, dealing with a, a former member of a previous cabinet and not telling their colleagues for four months, Jerry. But PJ, there was, it's like your programme. You, you, there's a story in gestation. You don't go tell everybody immediately. You, you work on it and then you... And, and I accept Michael Martin should have been told. I'm not arguing that point. And, he, and Simon Coveney accepts that. And, but the department, from my understanding and from my reading of the, of, of, of the memo that we got the other day, is that there, there was a period where the, the process was working internally. Yes, there should have been more transparency. Yes, there should have been more communication between different arms of government. I accept that. But to be fair to Simon Coveney, his motivation was nothing but pure and his intent was to create good for the LGBT community across the world. And that was his intent. And I have to say to you that the, the motivation was put was good, that the practice of the process fell short, absolutely. But to be fair, this is a, a, a small job in, 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 in government that, you know, I think... We're, we're like, did, the UN ask for, did the UN ask for us to have one of these? Or, or did we send away an LGBT envoy um, under the guise of free speech or what? Like, like, did the UN ask us to provide someone or did we just say, well, let's, could we do this or what? Well, I, I don't honestly know, but I know from, from my own involvement in the LGBT uh, community and advocacy that, for example, Nick, Her- Nick Herbert, the former Tory MP, is an envoy um, appointed by Boris Johnson. No, 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 so, no, no, that's no, not the Did the UN ask us to do this? Like, did the UN ask to find someone? Or, or did we go to them and say, come here, we've got a former minister from former government and she'd be like a, a handy-owned envoy and she'd be ticking an LGBT box and she'd be ticking a freedom of speech box and she'd be, she'd be you know, we'd, like any, any chance we get an old job for her? Because that's what it sounds like. I, I think part of what's happened, PJ, across the world, and I was just saying to you that Nick Herbert has the UK envoy for LGBT. Joe Biden, when he became president in America, create, recreated the position uh, of LGBT envoy and, and established an LGBT office within the White House. And other countries are doing the same. So from my perspective, it was about advancing and advocating the cause and the rights of LGBT. Sure, sure and that's fine. Be- but did the, did the UN ask us for it? Did they, did, I, I mean, think, did, I think it was part of a move. I think it was part of a move by government. Or did someone take a phone call in the UN and go, "Come here, what's this Ireland running about? What are they talking about?" Like, <laughs> that's above my pay grade, PJ. But all I can say to you is that other governments across the world are creating LGBTQ envoys, are creating 
positions within government at, at different levels to support and advocate for human rights for LGBTQ plus people across the world. Uh, and that's what, that's what I think was part of the move with her taking up the UN General Council seat. Um, and the intent was, 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 was honourable. Uh, Simon Corbyn is a very honourable politician, as you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm, and, and I, 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 look, we all accept the process was, 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 was wrong. It should have been handled better. But, but, to, but you know, to hear Tom Goulden was talking about all this, like, I, I, you'd have to question some of their motivation as well. Well, that's politics, and I think if you were on the opposition benches and they were doing it, you'd be doing the same thing. So, so now it's just a weird thing. Jerry, thank you very much, uh, Senator Jerry Buttermer. No, it's just a weird thing, and some people are saying that too over the last day or two. Look, she possibly would have been very good at this job, but A, there should have been a competition. B, who the heck decided we needed one? Did the UN ring up Simon Coveney and say, come here, um, any chance we have this job coming up or we, we'd like to appoint someone? Would you have anybody? No. This whole thing was cooked up, that's how it seems, cooked up between the Fine Gael ministers and their former colleague, you know, um, free speech envoy. I remember reading it in the paper during the summer. What the hell is that? What's that about? Free speech envoy. Sure, she, and I knew there and then, sure, she's clearly gone to represent the LGBT community and absolutely great. Fine. Do you know what? The more of that we have, the better. What the bloody hell is a free speech envoy? That was my first thoughts. Look at the whole mess now. It didn't even happen. 1850-715-996. How much is the job worth? That's what it all comes down to. It's all about what you have in your pocket, says Tom. I see a man every morning opening bins and eating out of them. There's such a huge level of inequality in the country. The, the purported salary was around €15,000. But there would only have been about 30 days work or 60, 60 days work, I think, 60 days work in the year. There'd have been an awful lot of travel and an awful lot of nice hotels and an awful lot of expenses, you know, yourself. So it was a lot more lucrative than they're, than they're telling, than they're telling anybody. 1850-715-996. Now, yesterday morning on the program, I was talking with Faye Hayden about Not Okay in School. It's a new... Facebook group and a new campaign to draw attention, I guess, to, to kids who, who find themselves expelled or excluded from the education system. And the, during that conversation, the subject came up of a thing called PDA, which I hadn't heard about. I'd heard the term, but didn't know what it meant. Pathological demand avoidance. And Faye explained to me a little bit about what it was about. It's a profile of autism, it's what it's called, and um, it's something that's becoming more well-known and more well-understood, which is when a child is placed is faced with a demand of any kind. And a demand can be anything from going to sleep at night, that's a demand because you know you have to go to sleep, um, to put your shoes on, or you have to do these 10 sums, or, you know, it can be anything at all. It's really quite broad, but it creates a crippling anxiety for him. So he might, if we are asking him to do something, feel so anxious that as if he was on a plane that was about to crash. That's the level of anxiety. Yeah, this is a, a child who, who gets terrified and, terif- and and reacts accordingly if they're asked to do something simple, like get the milk out of the fridge. It's It's impossible to understand it, I guess, for those of us who've never been confronted with this. We took a call uh, off air from a woman who wasn't a bit too upset, I think, to come on air, but she did send us in uh, a lengthy message about her family's experience with PDA, and Fiona has read that for us. 
We first noticed our daughter needed help at around 10 and we had PDA diagnosed at 12. There was nothing to say it would happen until that age. I do think puberty has a lot to do with it. 1% of people with autism have PDA. We knew something was up and thought it was a mental health issue. It can be difficult for parents to grasp. The strategy for dealing with it is very different to classic autism and to classic parenting. A key in understanding this is that it is not just demands made by other people. If my daughter decides to do something, the steps involved in doing that are demands that she creates and they count as well as something that causes her distress. The child may be perfectly able to function one day and completely unable the next day. Also, her attitude towards something can change. For example, initially she didn't like the uniform for school, but now she says she would find it easier than choosing clothing every day. When she's out, you would not expect she has an issue. She is very good at masking. I hardly go into her room at all. It really helps if she does not have that disturbed. She also has a non-24-hour sleep cycle and delayed sleep phase disorder. She could be up 24 hours and then sleep 12 hours. She's been out of school for three years. Homeschooling was declined because she attended too many times in first year. In second year, we didn't apply for it and she didn't want anyone coming into the house. The psychologist said she wasn't for school. She is very bright though. You could say she dropped out of life. She didn't leave the house too often in the last three years. She's now decided she doesn't want a life of disability benefit and is going to make a go for it. We never pushed her to go back. We never even mentioned it. A lot of people who have children with autism complain about the state support. I have to say that I've received great support from Marion House and Middletown Court in Armagh. She is diagnosed with PDA by Autism Services in Cork and they were helpful too. Facebook groups have been invaluable for us and for her. Also, Harry Thompson, an English lad on Facebook, who also has a book, PDA Extraordinaire, is great at helping parents to understand. That's a fantastic message uh, and thank you so much for that parent uh, for calling us and we've kept their identity, obviously. Um, it uh, As... As a parent who's had to deal with uh, the, the difficulties of autism along the way, I'm just so grateful and so thankful that we never had any problems like that. I can't imagine what it must be like. But that young woman, young person, saying she doesn't want a life on disability, she wants to go and make something of herself and make her way in the world, even dealing with what she's dealing with, the bravery of that is phenomenal. Uh, so thank you very much to um, to her mom for sharing that with us. Coming into the dark winter's nights, they're not that far away, unfortunately. We have to take more care of our home security. And it's about this time of the year that we might do a reboot. Might take a look at how secure is our home and what habits can we get into or maybe tighten up on to keep that level of security. John Foley is with Crime Stoppers. He's also the chair of the Blarney and District Chamber of Commerce. John, good morning. It is about this time of the year that people do take that kind of a, a review of the situation at home. Well, PJ, first of all, it is to check that your intruder alarm is uh, serviced uh, and, and it's working properly. You know, um, you can always set it up with a monitoring station as well. Um, so that if the alarm does go off and you're out and uh, boat, that uh, you know that you're alerted that your alarm has gone off. Uh, we provide a service as well where we do uh, respond to uh, alarms if you are out or if you're away. 
So we have that alarm response service. But some of the things as well to, to look into is um, your lighting as well, your outdoor lighting. Make sure that it is working, uh, the bulbs have been changed, um, you know, that the sensors are, are, are working as well. Because uh, intruders um, don't like to be seen or heard. So uh, by having security lighting working, that, that's a major uh, benefit uh, in stopping thefts to your home. Mm. Um, Times have changed a bit in that regard, John. Like, and let's maybe clarify. Can, is it legal or illegal to put in your own system? Do you have to have a licensed installer? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Well, there's, there's two sides to, to this, but if you want a proper uh, system installed, uh, go through a PSA licensed installer. Um, they'll go through the proper equipment to use uh, and properly installed um, because there is uh, cheap systems out there, but you know they're not going to give you the, the, the evidence you need um, to catch uh, anyone that comes onto your property uh, and for uh, prosecution purposes as Stuff well. that you can monitor on your phone or your yeah, absolutely, or whatever. yeah, yeah. Um, today's uh, today's um, systems allow you to do that remotely to your to your phone, to your laptop when you're away from home. Uh, another uh, good deterrent is um, if you even have Alexa at home, um, is to use that. Uh, you can put on the uh, burglar deterrent. So you're away from home, you can talk to Alexa through your phone and get it to switch it on and it'll make noise like as if someone's in the home. So there's lots, lots of smart devices out there too. That's interesting. That's yeah. yeah, I actually, I use it uh, for a little bad habit that I have that I obviously won't repeat on the air, but I, it's a little bad habit that I have when I'm going to bed and every night she reminds me twice not to do it. <laughs> and it works. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, again, you know, the, the more the, the turns are there, the better. So, you know, if you have your intruder alarm, your CCTV, um, your alarm response, and we also do home minding as well. So if you're away, um, we'll call to your home, we'll check in your home. It's a small, small fee, you know, and we'll even take out the bins for you, you know. <laughs> and, and that actually is important because if your bins don't go out, someone casing the joint might, might spot it. So it's crimestoppers.ie, is it, John? Uh, crime, uh, yeah, crime-stoppers.ie, yeah, okay. and we're, we're based in Little Island. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, we listened to Padraig Harrington there in the news top of the Ryder Cup and the cheering at the Ryder Cup, which can be a bit of a pain in the neck, but as he says himself, they, they prepare for it. And they're ready for it. And the Americans are the, the loudest on the planet. Do you know what drives me mad, though? And I said this before. It's not so much the cheering and the clapping. That's part of a big competition, any kind of sport. But it's the guy who's standing behind the tee, right, on a par five. And so-and-so steps up, might be Rory Mallon, one of the Americans, because it's not the Americans, it's the Americans that do it. So one of the Americans um, steps up and takes out the driver and whips off the ball. And you get, I don't know! Like, if it gets in the hole from the tee on a par five, <laughs> I don't know! Oh! I think if I want to slap, I'd be mad. <laughs> 1850, 715-996. a few of them at the Salheim Cup as well over the weekend. <laughs> I just find it hilariously funny. Right, some stuff coming in about the uh, the Tom and Jerry show. 
<laughs> Somebody was... Someone was saying the first hour was like the Tom and Jerry show with Tom Gould and Jerry Buttimer and that we didn't let them at one another. Probably better not to, to be honest. It ended up like a bad cat fight. Um, but <laughs> PJ, uh, Simon Coveney has no respect for the Irish people. Let him alone the teacher, says a comment. Uh, well done, PJ, says John Ryan in Blackpool. Great questions to Jerry Buttimer. Not sure if he answered them, beating around the bush. Uh, proud of you guys. Well, thank you, John. Uh, we have Fine Gael ministers answering to the Tanishta and Fianna Fáil ministers answering to the Taoiseach. It's like a broken marriage staying together for the children. The children, in this case, being the perks, the pensions, the pay and the jobs. In my opinion, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael elected members have competence difficulties. The amount of mistakes that are being made and we must learn from the mistakes so they don't happen again. That's a lot of mistakes and a very little learning, says Bobby. Hi PJ, 23 years is far too long for anyone to be allowed to stay in politics. Also, Michal Martin's 33 years involved. Says it all. Their egos just love the power and control. And with it comes the contempt and the arrogance. They're essentially overpaid actors, says Ed. Jerry Buttimer's on the radio a lot this week defending Simon Coveney, says this one. When they were trying to contact uh, radio stations or contact him, when radio stations were trying to contact him to defend his attendance at Golfgate, he went to ground until it all blew over. Well, he gave one or two interviews. Not here at the time, but he did give one or two. Uh, do you honestly think Jerry Buttimer is going to go against Fine Gael? He's continually rolled out to defend the indefensible. And by the way, as usual, he managed to turn Simon Coveney's errors into his personal agenda. I remember my dad, God rest my dad, he, he loved watching Vincent Brown. And he loved having Vincent Brown as Vincent Brown used to do, chew people up and, and spit them out and basically paint the four walls of the studio with their blood. Um, but the funny thing was he loved particularly to see Jerry Baltimore on with Vincent Brown because he said the amazing thing about Jerry was that <laughs> Vincent couldn't knock a spark off him and Vincent knew it and Jerry knew it and it was always funny to watch. I watched a video of it recently, my dad wasn't fair around. To me, PJ, the arrogance of Leo Varadkar, Simon Coveney and Pascal Dunne, who is downright disrespectful, says Jackie. Not only to the Taoiseach, but to the people. As always, they think they can do what they like without repercussion. Leo, Pascal and Simon should all step down. It's just cronyism at its best. And this on the phone, again, it's come up on a few different comments and streams over the last couple of days. The government needs to explain how this whole thing was not just a concoction to give his opponent a job and keep her CV relevant while she found her feet in another role. The steps involved in getting from free speech to LGBT issues of free speech or whatever, I don't understand this. It's a pity that Jerry Bonhamer didn't address that. People concentrate on the salary. I don't think that's the point. The point is organisations and structures were used to keep her in the jobs market. And Michal said that himself and Eamon Ryan knew nothing about it. This is another call. And that Fine Gael knew they were wrong and apologised. Caller doesn't feel this makes everything okay. If you're caught speeding, you can't just say sorry. And it's up to Michal Martin to call it, whether it's okay or not. The protocols not followed are not to make Eamon Ryan and Michal feel good. They're put there to protect the Irish people and ensure we get the right person. And there were pages and pages of them. Pages and pages of them. Some stuff on gambling as well which I will get to. Uh, people not overly impressed, by the way, about the point scoring going on uh, between Jerry Buttimer and Tommy Gould in the Tommy Gould is bringing forward his legislation 
And Jerry Buttimer is kind of saying, well, he's only reheating David Stanton's lunch sort of thing. Um, that's politics. It's always going to happen. Always. 1850-715-996. I would have attended over the years dozens, if not hundreds, certainly dozens of inquests. And they are never an easy thing. Whether they're a routine one that goes on for just maybe an hour and an inquest, the purpose of an inquest is to determine the cause of a person's death. It's nothing to do with blame. It's nothing to do with who was responsible or anything like that. It's to determine how a person died and the circumstances around their death. And they're never easy for a family. And I've sat through ones that were done in an hour and I've sat through ones that took a week and sometimes more. And and they can be harrowing for a family. But pretty much any family I've ever spoken to after an inquest has always said, well, look, at least we can close the book on it now. At least we can say, that's that. That's it. It's it's finally over. We mightn't be happy with the outcome. We obviously still have lost our loved one and it won't bring them back. But at least we've had an inquest to tell us what happened, what was the sequence, who was involved, what did they say, what did they do. And they can be very cathartic for families in that way. So having to wait for inquests for a long time cannot possibly be easy. And the story of the Gerns family is one such story. Andrew Gerns was a father of two and he died in Cork Prison uh, last year. And there hasn't been an inquest as yet. It's almost a year ago now. It'll be a year next month. The courtroom that's normally used in Washington Street is being used as an office for court staff. Court number seven, which is the coroner's court. So uh, there isn't apparently a coroner's court in the city at the moment. And that's one of the things affecting it, plus a huge shortage of staff. Now, Evan Gerns, who's Andrew's brother, spoke to the Irish Sun earlier this week, and he also spoke to the opinion line. Well, Evan, as you know, we can't actually go into the detail of what happened uh, to Andrew, because that's still under investigation until such time as there actually has been an inquest. We can't discuss it any further. But you'll be waiting a very long time, you've been told. Yeah, up to two years for my brother's inquest, uh, due to the shortage of staff in the Cork Corners Court and in Courtroom 7 has been turned into off space for the courtroom staff. Yeah. He died last October, wasn't it? Yeah, October 7th, yeah. It normally takes a while to have an inquest anyway, and anyone who dies in prison, their death is subject to an inquest. Why is it so important to you to have an inquest? It's closure, you know, it's some answers anyway, you know, other answers that you have been asking in your head or... You know, it's the last thing you think of at night, you know, and, you know, if you just had the inquest, it's a closure to, to myself, my family, my mother, my sister, his two kids, his partner. And it's just part of the grieving process, really, PJ, isn't it? Yeah, we understand that he took his own life, but there's more to that that, that you want to know, and it won't be able to come out until there is an inquest. Tell me a bit about him. What was he like? Yeah, he was always joking and pranking. He was a talented footballer, and loving father. His two kids, Sting and Sophia. And he, he was always joking. He just went down the wrong path, you know. And he just ended up, it ended up this way, really. Yeah. 
What was it like when you heard that he'd passed away? He didn't pass away straight away. He was in ICU for for five days right. before he passed away. So yeah, he didn't go straight away, you know. Yeah, um, and that was really tough. Uh, tough during COVID, not not allowing to get in to see him. That's right. And stuff, you know, it was when he went into palliative care, it was selected few. Yeah, and it was really difficult, really. Because we'd forget that, it wouldn't was, we? It was harder yeah. than than it normally would be because of COVID. Yeah, and I just think everything is a fight. You have to fight for everything now in this in this country. Like, what? How hard is it just to have an inquest? Like for just for the family, like for the family's mental health, and yeah. just to get through it, like, and just get the closure and everything. Really, you know. Yeah. What are you being told, Evan, by the coroner's court? Um. So I got a letter. So they issued the death cert, which I thought is is really wrong to issue a death cert without an inquest. Really. Um, I know that it can happen, but I just think that they shouldn't issue a death cert without an inquest. And sometimes they would. They'd open and close the inquest and adjourn it so you could have a death cert, but you haven't even had that. You've just got the cert. They've opened it. We just got a letter saying they've opened it from the 9th of August and uh, we could be waiting up to two years to hear it, but the death cert is available if you want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we've been told. Yeah, you just want to listen to the various yeah. statements the and evidence and yeah. be able to make up your own mind. Yeah. yeah. How are the family dealing with this? Um, my mom goes to the grave every day. It's tough, just take day by day. It's still very new, raw. Um, yeah, it's tough for my mom, it's tough for these two kids. And were you close yourselves as brothers? Yeah, I'm very close, yeah. He was he was always trying to win one over on me and joking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was he older or younger than you? He was older, he was the eldest. He was twenty nine when he died. Yeah. He turned thirty May there just gone. Yeah. Now the Department of Justice um issued a statement to the Irish Sun saying that they're aware of the delay and they're aware of the distress it's causing and they're liaising with the court service. Now I know that courtroom very well, as does Fiona, courtroom 7 in Washington Street. It's reserved for the coroner's court. Do you think, though, they should try to move it to a different one just to get the inquest, just to catch up with inquests? Yeah, why can't they do it in a hotel room or something? You know, why does it have to be in a courtroom, you know? Um, and it's it's not that PJ, it's, it's when I rang the coroner's court, they completely agree with me, like that it's a disgrace, Yeah, and that it's up to the government to, to step in and it's that it's out of their control. Yeah. And that's what the lady said on the phone to me. So Yeah. Because inquests have happened in hotel rooms. I've attended one, believe it or not, or more than one that happened yeah. in hotel rooms. And and have you asked them if that can happen? Have you Yeah, and they said we can't but we're waiting for a direction. Hmm. And it's just up to the to guys above the government to either like Dublin have twenty four staff, like we have two. Yes, that's another problem, yes. So yeah. if, if any of our politicians are listening this morning, what would you say to them? They need to step in, step in fast, because I know I'm not the only family going through this. And I know a lot of people are probably afraid to step, to speak about it. And, but it is part of the green process, and they just need to do something. We've three top politicians above in Dublin, and they need to do something now for Cork and fight for Cork and fight for green families. Yes. Has there been any application to move the inquest, do you know? No, 
No. Because no. no, you, you'll obviously have solicitors. Your family is represented in the process. Yeah. And was yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're trying at the moment. So we were getting nowhere, so I, that's why I spoke out. Okay. Evan, all I can do is say that we're thinking of you and your family and it's very brave of you to speak out like this um, and we've asked the, the coroner's office locally for a statement, we haven't had it as yet but if we do, we'll certainly bring it to listeners. Thanks for being with us today Thank you, Peter I spoke to Evan yesterday and uh, so far we haven't had any response from the, the coroner's office but if we do get it, we'll bring it to you um, That inquest that I was telling you about uh, or that was saying to uh, Evan about uh, was actually the inquest of Andrew Moynihan Adrian Moynihan, sorry Adrian Moynihan years ago, that was moved I cannot remember why but that was actually moved to the Maldron Hotel uh, so it can be done and it, it has been done before 1850 715 the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Bored at work or stuck behind the wheel, let's spend the afternoon together. Grab a cuppa, turn up your favourite tunes and we'll get through Wednesday. I'll chat to you straight after the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Here's one that came in, uh, I just wanted to, to mention it to you, because this little these little things go on all over the place, all day long, and they never get the attention that they deserve and every so often it's nice to draw our attention to them um, in among the, the bad news and the sad news and the cribbing and the fighting and the whinging it's nice to draw your attention to a little act of kindness, so I just want to say thanks, says this message Thanks to the bus driver on the 202. Yesterday, he was so helpful to a guy near the city hall. The man had lost his wallet earlier on the bus, and the bus driver was just so, so helpful. Thanks again, and great show. Don't know how that worked out, but yeah, there's a lot of kindness out there. Have you seen a little bit of kindness lately? Um, last night I was on Twitter, and I, I, I hate to see the grief of someone losing a pet. Um, losing a pet, losing a dog, in particular, losing cats. It's it's always sad when people put up posts about them and people are genuinely heartbroken at the loss of a at the loss of a doggy. And I shared last night and I've I've said this before on social media, but this one seems to have been picked up by a few people. Uh, and it's just a, a lovely kind words that I remember from an, an old vet uh, years ago that I once knew. He's dead now, God rest him. But he, when when he would have to put a, an animal to sleep for any reason, and he, he had to do it for one of ours. Story's too long and too convoluted to tell, but I was brokenhearted when it, when it happened. And having realised it was inevitable, he, he went away and he did it. Dick was his name, Dick Barrett. And he said to me, he said, you know that pain you feel? That's the tiny piece of your heart he took with him to remember your smell. Those words stayed with me. I thought they're the kindest words that, that were spoken to me at a time like that. So kindness is a lovely thing. Has anyone been exceptionally kind to you that they didn't have to be? 
lately. Just the slightest little thing. Let me know. Oh wait, three, three ninety six, ninety six, ninety six. There's that one there with the bus driver who didn't really have to get involved, but obviously, man, very upset at losing his wallet on the two o two. Don't know if he found it or not. But the driver just, you know, just hand on the shoulder. It'll be all right. We'll do what we can. You never know. That's that's kindness too. Have you come across any yourself of late? 1850-715-996. Because we're not all whingers. We're not all hard chaws. Some of us are very soft on the inside. 1850-715-996. I was talking to uh, Zoe Hendrick months and months ago in the run-up to Miss Ireland. Um, now, it took place, I think, over the weekend and was won by a woman from Galway called Pamela Uba. But Zoe was second runner-up and she's with me again now. Hi, Zoe. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. Congratulations on, on getting to, to that level. Um, Thank you. Big event? It was, actually. It was a very big event. Uh, it was lovely to see as well. Just, it was like a bit of hope after the last year with COVID and stuff to actually be able to see people and celebrate with them. How big was it? How many people were allowed to go? I'm actually not really sure. Like, I know my family were there, which is lovely to see, but with just with that hype of it all, and I was behind stage for most of it, I actually couldn't see how many people were there. Mm. Some girls had two family members there, some girls had five, but it was all very COVID compliant and it was outdoor. Yeah. Um, and when masks had to be wear- worn, they were. They were. Yeah. Exciting? Very exciting. Yeah, it was mm. definitely a thrill. I was up there since Saturday morning with rehearsals and then Sunday was more rehearsals than the actual show. So when I finally got back to Cork Monday, I think I just slept. <laughs> just slept for most of the day. <laughs> you were, you were, it, it, it is an awful lot of rehearsal, isn't it? Yeah, there was a lot of rehearsals. We had to learn a whole new dance on Saturday for the show as well. And then it was a lot of just being in heels for the day. So I just had to soak my feet coming home and I guess I'd just sleep and eat all the junk food I could, really, to be honest. Good for you. Big, dirty burgers and pints of Coke. Yeah. Exactly. Pizza, like chocolate, everything. Sloppies and flat shoes, and that's it. Yeah. 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 Get into your trackies. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You're all coming down from it now. are you going to continue your your or your um, advocacy for Alzheimer's? Because when we talked originally, it meant an awful lot to you. It's grown to be, to mean even more to you during the course of this. Why does it mean so much, yeah. Zoe? It means so much to me because I had lost my great granny from it and my other granny from the disease. So it is something that is true to me. And even before Miss Cork, I was doing their events, doing their walks and stuff like that. But now to actually be able to work with the charity and get hands-on has just been incredible. And we've already are planning things for September. Like we're doing a memory walk in September. We're planning stuff for Christmas. So like even when my title of Miss Cork is gone, I'm still going to be working with this charity closely because the people in there are incredible. I enjoyed the work I do and I definitely feel it's a charity that are helping people who are dealing with people with Alzheimer's and so on. Yeah, the... the because when something like that comes into your your own family, it, it does raise mm-hmm. your awareness almost against your will. You've you've no choice but to learn about it. 
Yeah, exactly. Because like, I remember with my great granny, she was put into a home with it. But then with my nan, she actually lived with us. So we had to do so much research just to understand what was going on. And we actually realized it's such a slow disease. Like she could have had this for five years prior before we even no- kind of noticed it. Yeah. And that's something that I think is so important to get across to people that it's the little things that you have to start noticing to kind of cop on. It's not, they don't lose their memory all in one day. It's Mm. They start forgetting the day of the week. They start forgetting people's birthdays. And it's little things people, I think, just assume comes with old age, but it's not. Um, And I think that's something that we learned, that it is a very slow disease that does slowly take over the body. But I think what you can learn from the Alzheimer's Society is how to take care of the person in your family, but also still make them feel like they're a part of the family and that you haven't lost them. Are you close to your nana? I was very close to my nana, yeah. yeah. We used to call her Soup. That was her nickname. Soup, why Soup? (laughs) Soup. Because she always made soup. There was always a pot of soup in the house. So we used to call her Soup, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's lovely. And it must be heartbreaking to watch them fade. It is, but do you know me, my mom, my mom, my mother made a good point before that for them it actually gets easier because they've, they're forgetting that they're forgetting. So they, you can see them very stressed for a year or two because they know they're starting to lose their memory. But okay. at the end, they just seem that bit more at peace. But that's when it's most difficult on the family. Yeah. We discovered is it almost does a role reverse on who is the more stressed out. So you do get a bit of peace of mind knowing that they weren't stressed. They were very relaxed mm-hmm. uh, and they kind of just almost accepted like this was what was happening but then for the family to watch and realising like for my own father realising his mother barely recognised him anymore is a very difficult thing and she forgot who I was but like I said you can see them more relaxed and that was something that would always give us that bit of comfort and I think the Alzheimer's Society can teach people like that is the process I never never would have thought of it that way actually Zoe and I knew a friend I knew a friend who lost his dad um, and he wrote a song about it actually called The Long Goodbye um, and, and and that point never came up before because past a certain point, your, your nana was no longer aware of the situation. So, yeah. So she wasn't struggling. Really noticed, yeah. That's yeah. You, you see the struggling not really be there anymore. I remember there was like a really difficult two years there. You could see her getting really stressed that she was forgetting things and she was almost getting frustrated with herself. And you were trying to kind of keep her calm, being like, look, it's okay. Like this is happening, but kind of in the last year or two of her life, she was that bit more calm and a bit Good. more peaceful with the world. So that was what gave us kind of the comfort as well, knowing she wasn't stressed anymore. Good. Good. Come back to the competition. Uh, Pamela yeah. Uba, uh, the winner. Tell me a little bit about her. Did you get to meet her and spend much time with her? Oh, I say she was one of the girls I got the closest with because you know yourself when I won Miss Cork, there was only three other girls selected. So it was kind of me, Pamela, Orla, and Maeve. We're the four that were kind of doing it the longest. We got to know each other the, the most. Yeah. So for every event and stuff like that, it was always kind of the four of us that would click the best because we had known each other the longest and we had the longest time to get to know each other. And I can say just Pamela is just the sweetest girl ever. She's so kind. Like I remember we would be calling each other at least once a week to check up on each other because I know there was a lot of controversy for a while with Miss mm. Ireland and we were always checking up on each other. So to see her win the crown and like she was so passionate. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. About this competition, she put her all into it. So I was absolutely delighted yeah. to see her take the crown. Did she spend some time in direct provision, Zoe? She did. I think it was about 10 years she spent in direct provision. And her, I know Beauty with a Purpose is our kind of charity. A lot of her charity work was working with people in direct vision and raising awareness around that. And I know going into Miss World, that's what she'll be talking about as well. So I'm glad to see it's going to get the awareness it's going to get. Mm. But to hear her story was just incredible to see now. She's a medical student. Mm. She's now Miss Ireland and she's come so far from coming to Ireland and she got her citizenship earlier this year in, for Ireland as well. So she's mm. come such a long way and I'm so proud of her. Yes, and, and how, how incredibly diverse for the competition as well. Yeah, I think this was their most diverse year of contestants. Like we had so many girls from different nationalities, different races, and it was just such a fresh breath there to be taking part in something that was so diverse. And even seeing like throughout Miss World, the other contestants, like it's just such a diverse com- uh, competition. So I'm delighted to see it, and I'm just delighted to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah, because you yourself have spoken out about racism in the mm-hmm. past, um, and about you know coming across. Just I suppose. A lot of it would be, would it be unintentional, Zoe? I definitely think nowadays it is unintentional and it's a lack of education of what's okay, what's not okay. Like I think I've said it before, like what's okay with your friend or what my close friends would say to me, wouldn't it be okay to say to a stranger? And it is that education that needs to be taught. And I think we are slowly getting there. It's a conversation that will be continued to have, but I think it is getting to a better place. Good, good to see that, and uh, good to speak with you again. And good luck in the remainder of your reign as as Thank Miss you. Cork, <laughs> and particularly with the work for for Alzheimer's. Thanks very much. That's uh, Miss Cork and uh, second runner up in Miss Ireland, Zoe Hendrick. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. With numerous platinum albums under their belts, the Coronas finally get a chance to bring their latest album, True Love Waits, to Leaside for a show at Cork Opera House taking place on Tuesday, December 6th. Tickets go on sale from tomorrow at corkoperahouse.ie. Access all areas. The Clonakilty International Guitar Festival returns this September 10 to 19th as organisers attempt to once again electrify the streets and crash the internet of the County Cork Town. Tickets for in-person performances are on sale now via clonguitarfest.com. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your Tonight, life on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. Quick reminder to you that the Premier League is also back this weekend, back Saturday on 96fm.ie with Trevor Welsh, and it's all powered by Talk Sport. This Saturday, live coverage of Crystal Palace against Spurs at 12.30, Arsenal v Norwich at 3, Chelsea against Aston Villa at half past five, it's the Premier League Live Online with Now. Stream live Premier League action with a Now Sports or Sports Extra membership. It's your sport on your terms. Stream only the games that matter to you most with Now. And listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or go to 96FM.ie. Just on kindness and just little kindnesses that are out there. And if you've had one... If you've experienced one in the last while, uh, nice to brighten up the morning. Mag says since the tragic passing of Bayveen O'Connor on the 16th of September last year, Cranky, we're coming up to, to Bayveen's anniversary. That's, that's next week. I've witnessed so many random acts of kindness as a result of her amazing parents' heart angel campaign. Just recently, a neighbour left chocolates on our doorstep just because, in Bayveen's name, that's lovely. That's that's really nice. Mike, thanks for that. Uh, her anniversary next week, my goodness. Actually, speaking of anniversaries, and we're working on this for Friday, because Friday is the 10th of September. We won't be on air, obviously, on Saturday the 11th, but it's the 20th anniversary of the moment the world stopped. And I just remember it that way. The moment the world stopped stopped and the moment collectively our blood ran cold when we watched what was happening or heard what was happening in New York on a sunny September morning the kind of morning actually that Neil Diamond wrote a song about many years ago called September Morning it was a beautiful beautiful sunny September morning in in New York City uh, when two planes went 15 minutes apart into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center, 9-11, 20 years ago. The documentary channels, Netflix, they're all full of new stuff this week, uh, reminding us of the time, the tragedy, the investigation, the conspiracy theories, whatever you're having yourself. But Friday, we want to, to mark it by just remembering um, and if you're of an age that you remember, and look, if you were only 10 at the time, you still remember. If you were 20 at the time, 
you still remember. If you were only a little un, eight or nine, you might remember your, your mom or dad being upset by it. Uh, or, or you might remember where you were, what you were doing when you heard about it. Let us know. Uh, voice messages at 083 396 96 96. Tell us what you remember about that fateful day. We're also talking to some people uh, who have very clear memories of that day for particular reasons. And we're putting those interviews together for Friday's programme where we won't devote the whole programme to it, but we will feature uh, a lot of thoughts, as it were. I have all the newspapers, all of the newspapers from that time. Uh, I think I might bring them in on Friday morning and just go through some of them. And, and if you have a particular memory of where you were, what you were doing, who you were with, how you remember hearing it, then I'd love to hear from you at uh, 1850-715-996. Today is um, Adult Literacy Day. And you heard the ad there while ago in, in the break. The number of people who are simply not able still to read or write. Are we going WhatsApp or phone there, uh, Fiona? Let me know. Uh, but but uh, Claire McNally is communications manager with the National Adult Literacy Agency, and and she joins me. Claire, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. It's it's a it's a big day for the rest of us. I think to sit back and rec- and and recognise and and be be cognizant of the fact that this is still a huge problem in our society. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we all get, you know, taken up with the the CAO conversation that's happening, you know, yesterday and today. But we need to kind of remember that in around the world and in Ireland, about one in six people would have a very low level of literacy. So they may have difficulty reading instructions on a packet of medicine or perhaps you know, helping the kids with homework, or maybe they wouldn't be confident, you know, going for promotion or, or, or filling in a form because they're they're nervous about their spelling. Um, and, you know, we saw that a lot during the last kind of year and a half, even with the pandemic, with people who were ringing us on our free phone, that people were kind of confused about some of the public health information, and they weren't able to keep in contact with family and friends because they didn't have that digital literacy skills, and they felt quite isolated. Um, and even being able to identify things like fake, what's real news and what's fake news. So it's, it is a real issue. But today, you know, what we would say is we'd really encourage anybody who is feeling that, be it their, their spelling, their reading, their writing, maybe it's their maths, or maybe it's that basic literacy, uh, digital literacy is holding them back, is to, to make contact either with ourselves or with your local education and training board. There's a lot of adult education centres there, you know, in the Cork region. And, you know, and, and it's, it's the hardest thing, I suppose, to do is to make that first step, to make that first contact. But yeah. everybody always says once they do that, you know, it's kind of life changing for them. So some people that I have spoken to over the years, Claire, who, who've even at very late in life have learned to read and write. They always say the same thing, that when they picked up that phone to make that call, they thought they were the first person in the world ever had a problem like this. And when they realised that they weren't, that was a huge relief. Absolutely. And, 
you know, we all, we're not all brilliant at everything, okay? We all, some of us are, you know, strong in some areas of our life and we're weak in kind of others. So we might be okay at reading, but maybe it's the spelling that's holding you back or, or, or vice versa. Or maybe you're fine on the reading and writing, but it's the maths that you're struggling with and it's really stopping you from doing what you want to do. There are lots of people in their education and training boards at the local ETPs at the moment. I think there's about 50,000 people currently improving their literacy, their numeracy, their digital literacy skills. And, you know, once people know that there's that many people doing it, it, it becomes a little bit less of kind of like, so people do always think, oh no, it's just me, nobody's as bad as me. But that's not simply not the case. You know, lots of people are kind of going back to education for lots of different reasons. And like I said, some people are, are getting on fine in their lives. They, they don't need to do this or don't feel they need to do this at all. But what we would say, if, if you think it's holding you back, don't worry about it. Um, there's lots of support there available. And you'll be surprised, actually, just how much you'll learn and, you know, like how quickly you'll learn as well. How, how, how near to you is the service? It's as it's just simple as picking up the phone, is it? Yes, you can give us a call on one eight hundred twenty twenty sixty five. We'll let you know about the centre, the adult education centre closest to you. And like I said, there's about a hundred of those dotted around the country. Lots of people attending those. They're very friendly. There's very important that I said there are no exams if you don't want them. It's not like school. Sometimes people say, "Oh, you know, with the thought of going back into a classroom, it's not like that." It all. The, the classes are, are based almost on, you know, your life experience because you have so much experience at this stage. So it's really working from what you already know and concentrating on the, the gap that you want to fill in. And if you didn't want to attend, you know, say a local centre, you can also start maybe with just, you know, over the phone tuition. We do that for free as well, just in relation to getting you started, maybe build up your confidence a bit and then maybe you'd like to go into a centre. Is there anything specific happening for the, the Adult Literacy Day in Cork? Um, well, I believe they, all the ETBs and adult literacy centres, you know, they're just absolutely ready to take, you know, your call in relation to giving you information about, you know, the services that they're offering. I know um, nationally today that the Minister is launching a new strategy for adult literacy, numeracy and digital skills. So you'll probably hear quite a bit over the next month or so. I think you said already you heard some of the radio ads there um, going out, just encouraging people, I suppose, to make contact either through our free phone or with your local centre. All right, OK, listen, thank you for being with us this morning. That's Claire McNally, Communications Manager with the National Adult Literacy Agency, and you can get in touch with them. 1-800-20-20-65. 1-800-20-20-65. Just on kindness, Molly says, my neighbour and my friend since we were kids comes into my house to evict the big brown spiders. Even goes through my washing to make sure there's none of them lurking there. This is so kind, because I'm terrified. Thank you, says Julie. And it's a difficult month for Julie, because as I was saying last Friday, this is the spider mating season. So it's a tough time for for uh, for Molly. And, and, and did, she's very grateful to you, Julie. We've all been talking for months about getting in touch with nature, when we had little or nothing to do, when we were locked up inside five kilometres or two kilometres, we we had no kind of choice but to commune more with nature because about the only thing that was open was was nature, and and it was you know a nice view. We, we we kind of took it in more and appreciated more, or looking at the sea or or all of that, and and 
now we realise the importance of ventilation as well and open windows and get the air from outside to the inside. It's all part of a thing called biophilic design. New one on me, but it is a big movement. Gronya Bagnall, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Delighted. It's a new uh, word on me, and there's a course coming up, which we'll talk about in a minute for people. But what exactly is biophilic design? So biophilic design, I suppose, new for us, PJ, in, in Ireland. But would you believe it? the theory came out in 1984 by a biologist in the States, um, Edward Wilson. And he had felt that there was so much urbanization happening and people were getting disconnected from nature that he came up with the theory biophilia, that if we engaged nature and humans to reconnect, we would have a great positive outcome on our health, our well-being and our productivity. And you know, during lockdown in particular, we learned, and certainly I learned, uh, the simple pleasure of just looking at something like a sunflower and and looking at a sunset or a sunrise and realising, damn you, COVID, you can't take this away from us. That's connecting with nature. So when we design our surroundings, Absolutely. we work nature and, into and, them. Totally. And so when we consider our environment and this whole new smart workplace and digital transformation and human growth, what is it that can merge us out of the last two years of where people were, you know, in homes, you know, away from their office space, you know, restricted to movement? I mean, the beauty of it was that people did get connected to nature. Um, But now that things are opened up again, it's kind of back to the rat race. It's back to the offices of which may not have natural light, which may not have live, you know, plants. And if you do studies or see what offices really were designed back in the past, they really didn't encompass, you know, nature and the benefits that it could bring. So I think this is a fabulous opportunity Mm. to just re-educate and educate employers and employees. So, so, so is, is this about things in the workplace, for example, like, like plant pots and, and fish tanks and Absolutely. So you can be as simple, open as, windows. simple as, your, as, as a branch or your favourite tree, your leaves, you know, instead of going out and thinking you have to buy pots of flowers or bunches of roses, you know, just um, fill your garden and your green space, find your sit spot and bring some of that nature indoors, mm. you know, encourage your offices to have, you know, natural life, to yeah. open windows, you know, to be um, akin to nature, yeah. you know. We're um, bringing our four-legged friends to work now and again. <laughs> I mean, you know, Google have it out there. There are some organizations which, which have it very friendly. And, you know, I suppose the drive is that people have turned their homes into offices you know, their offices, the culture, the values, the companies say that they want to, you know, um, bring along to their employees. Well, if we encourage people to that they don't have to be stuck to a desk or they don't have to be in a boardroom to be productive, mm. they can go on a walk or sit on their sit spot outside yeah. and take their call. 
but it's it's new thinking because then the boss might think, oh, he's outside having a run yeah. or a walk or you know sitting in his garden when he should be yeah. in that old fashioned office look. There's, there's a company but, in Dublin has put in a beehive, I presume, in a safe place that people can help to <laughs> to look after. Like it's it's all, it's all the same thing. Absolutely, absolutely, and 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 through engagement of you know, water or water ideas to the water tank movement or, you know, bringing um, greenness, sit spots, imagery, you know, so kind of making your sit place look attractive, feel the nature, you know, wash your hands, you know, with a handful of clay rather than constant, you know, uh, these bacterial washes or whatever. So Mm. you've you've got to understand that we, you know, we are nature, yeah. And we've got to start looking after it more you, and more. You, you've a course com- you've a course coming up, and where can we find out more? Absolutely, thanks, PJ. So, um, be well, hive. So that's b w e l l h i v e dot i e has all the information for the human growth and digital transformation. It's Saturday, the 18th of September, a full day retreat, mm. forest bathing, which is akin to the biophilic design design thinking. So your life. So bringing mindfulness into nature, into nutrition, healthy, feed the gut well, know your environment, be it the office, the home and the family, and then design think your life as we merge into this new way of smart thinking to disconnect, to reconnect. And this Saturday, we're having an introduction to a virtual forest bathing so people can log on to the Sit Spot Challenge on Facebook and get connected with us there. And we'd be delighted to have your listeners tune in. And perhaps, PJ, you'll come out and do a bit of forest bathing yourself. Give me me the Facebook address anyway or the, the, the web address again. So that's B for B. Well, W-E-L-L Hive, H-I-V-E dot I-E. All right, listen, good to talk to you uh, and uh, good luck with it. That's Gronya Bagnell. It's, it, it's a new one on me, the term anyway, but it's been around since the 80s, the term biophilic design. But sure, isn't that just like bringing the outside in and enjoying the outside inside or the inside outside? So it we could all kind of do it, couldn't we? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I can't have the golf on the brain, so forgive me. And I'll be very annoying now around the time of the Ryder Cup and all that, because I'm really looking forward to it. And of course, we're talking about the Salhain Cup and Leona and all that. But... I've kind of been focused on the way people talk about golf at the moment. I mentioned they get in the hole! Lunatics the last time. But there, Paddy Harrington, in that particular piece, did another thing that drives me mad. Why do they all say, that's a great golf shot? We know it's a bloody golf shot. Not playing snooker. You know, we don't say, that's a great hurling shot. Or that's a great soccer shot. Not a great golf shot. We know it's a golf shot. Anyway. <laughs> I'm, I know, I'm just having one of those weeks 
1850-715-996. Talking earlier on this morning about gambling and to Thomas Gould about bringing forward the legislation that he has drawn up to try to get the banning of credit cards in the use in gambling. You can't use a credit card to gamble. Interestingly enough, when I put that to Jerry Buttimer, who was telling me about how wonderfully David Stanton had been doing with regard to, to gambling over the years, I put it to him, I asked him, would he support uh, the ban on credit cards in gambling and he didn't give me a yes or a no he said he would give consideration to anything there was there was no yes or no coming out of Jerry but I'm, I'm not stirring I'm just saying anyway uh, in the course of that I should have mentioned this and I didn't anybody who would like further information or assistance with regard to gambling addiction either theirs or that of a loved one you can go to www.gamblersanonymous.ie or indeed you can speak to your doctor about it. And Gamblers Anonymous holds an open meeting in Cork about once a month. The details will be on the website. But they're one of the few of those groups like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous. Gamblers Anonymous actually hold an open public meeting quite frequently where you can just come in and listen. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to bring anything to the table, as it were. But it's there, and you can listen. And it's oh, it, they do it in Grattan Street in a place called Laverna, about once a month. I'll, I'll try and get more detail. And I had all the detail written down before, but I'll, I'll, I'll get it again for you. On WhatsApp, PJ, you hit the nail on the head. Gamblers destroy the family, the financial debt they get into, and they keep it silent until it gets to the point where they can't keep it silent anymore, and it explodes it destroys the family if it's not taken seriously. Believe me, I'm still recovering financially, mentally and physically from a gambling partner. The debt is overwhelming. David says, I'd agree people shouldn't have the facility to use credit cards. Brian on Twitter said people will gamble regardless. You can get money from an ATM or cash back at a shop counter. It just slows things down. It might not prevent anything, but Brian, the whole point of the credit card ban would be that it would be you wouldn't be gambling with money that you don't have which might help in some way 1850-715-996 interesting book I've been going through over the last few days it's a story of three women Uh, it's the story of Kathleen Dominique and Jade the story is called the book is called Nanny, Ma and Me If you imagine the story of a woman who left Ireland for London in the 1950s to train as a nurse, and many women did back then. There she fell in love with a man called Larry. And Larry was Jamaican. He was part of what they called the Windrush generation. They got married, and she had a daughter. And then she came back to Ireland. And now she has a granddaughter, and her granddaughter's name is Jade Jordan. And during lockdown, Jade began to think about the history of her family and the fascinating story of her family. And she decided to put pen to paper and she's come up with the book. Jade, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks so much for having me and thank you for that lovely introduction. Delighted. <laughs> thank it's, you. It's, it's a lovely story and you, you tell it well and it's very interesting the, the way the different generations tell and interpret the story differently how, how what age were you when you what are you, sorry, what age are you now you 
I'm in my early 30s. Early 30s. So what age were yeah. you when you began to learn the story of, first of all, your, your nanny? Well, I, you know, I've, I'm always been the detective of the family and the curious one. So I've always asked questions growing up. And um, I always just wanted to know more and have an insight into their past, you know. Um, but I started kind of recording my granny on um, camera in 2016 while I was still lucky enough to, to have her. And mm. um, I think that was a really big thing that I wanted to do. Um, and life takes over. You put things on the shelf. And then I pulled all this out in the lockdown and just started going at it with a pen and paper. Um, and then obviously George Floyd happened, which sparked a huge conversation worldwide. And I just felt that I wanted to shine a light on what did happen and it is still happening here in Ireland. I think that was very important. Yeah, I wanted to have a voice and use my voice to express how I felt, which was, which was hard at times because I'm not one to talk about race. I've never done it before. I always kind of wanted to stay away, away from it. I never knew really how to approach it, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course it does. Like, your, your, your nanny, when she left Ireland for London in the 50s, was one of hundreds, if not thousands, who did and, and went off to train as a nurse or train as whatever. That wasn't unusual about the story. Meeting a man in London and falling in love with him wasn't unusual either. <laughs> yeah. but, but the fact that he was... Jamaican man in, in the Windrush generation. And that's a fascinating story in itself, isn't it? In the itself. Whole Windrush. Of course. I, de- I, I didn't even delve too much in, into that in the book, but I was even looking up on it last night. There's so much there. There's a, that's a story in itself. Mm. And unfortunately, I never got to meet my granddad to ask him those questions. Yeah. So I suppose you just have to go on history. Yeah. Um, you know, which which is fascinating in itself, you know. Him moving to the UK at that time as well is so interesting. Yeah. And there's so much there with even that story. Yes. You know, but I just yeah. wanted to know, I, yeah, I just wanted to know more. And I'm so proud of my mom and my nanny for allowing me to do that and for allowing me to give them a voice within this book. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm mar- so they, aware they married that in it's 19, exposing. Yeah, they married in 1963. And I think this is the first... As a person who, who uh, Jade, I, I've never understood why anybody would judge anybody else on the basis of their skin colour. So, so of course, you know. And and I remember a, a lovely couple in my own park at home. He had been a priest, and, mm-hmm. he'd, and he'd gone off on the missions. And, and while he was there, he he met a woman, fell in love with her, left the priesthood, and married her, and brought herself and their children home and I, I remember some of the neighbours used to shun him yeah you know and that was like that's not that's not too long ago but but in, in 1963 it was illegal for a marriage between Larry and, and your nana to, to happen it was for, and it actually continued to be illegal for another four or more years yeah incredible you know so I, that was fascinating for me in itself because you fall in love with who you fall in love with, I guess, and, and colour should never come into the equation, but yet it did, and I feel like we've moved on. Yeah. There's still so much more for improvement and learning and education and understanding, and that's stuff I'm still still, still dev- delving into. I don't know everything. Of course I don't, yeah. do you know? Um, but I think it was very important for me to, you know, yeah, yeah. I just, even, even for my career, I think it's important I'm an actor and I think it's important to know, you know that, that informs your work. Yeah. 
you know, and that that may lead to me creating something, um, which I've done with the book. But, you know, for, you know, TV or film, hopefully that's something that happens also. And then that comes into play with the representation of people that look like me here in Ireland. Like even going back to that, growing up as a child, I didn't have that representation on our screens. You know, I'd, even if we talk as far back as the dolls that I played with all had blonde hair. All the princesses all had blonde hair. Mm. It's only in later years that we're seeing black dolls and mixed race dolls. Mm. Mm. So we are changing and, you know, there's this huge shift. Um, I just feel really proud and I suppose honoured to be a part of that shift. Yeah. And if I have a voice, use that. I guess that's really important. Yes. Like when you were growing up in Dublin, um, mm-hmm. did you experience, like obviously you experience things in school. We all do. But looking back yeah, on your time in school... Did you experience direct racism in school, Jade? Was it accidental or on purpose, if you know what I mean? Well, no, you know, I, I'll, I'll be t- so honest. I didn't have what my mom had in school. I didn't. In primary school, there was another mixed-race girl that was like me, um, and that was it. And then when we went to secondary, it was a little bit more multicultural. I didn't, but I had the questions, you know. Mm. Um, I did have the questions. And, you know, with all the time, I always say this, it's important to state that. It's not always always racism. Half the time, it's people just being intrigued. Yeah, I or think curious. It's the contradictions, yeah, it's the contradictions that always kind of baffled me more than anything. Was we live in a in in a country of contradictions? You'll say you're Irish, and people are going, "No, well, actually, where are you really from?" Well, Do I you just get told that? you I face value. I mean, listen to you. You've got a broad Dublin accent, like <laughs> I couldn't. Well, this is what I laugh at because I couldn't be any more Dubliner, Dubliner. And people <laughs> genuinely fall over their own feet, like PJ, and that's that's no joke. When I open my mouth, they're like, "Whoa!" wasn't expecting, <laughs> wasn't expecting that, you know. And uh, that was that was more what I experienced was the oh, where are you really from, um, and just pure. Do you amazement. find that hurtful? Yeah. You know, if somebody asks you where you're from, PJ, you say Ireland, people will take that at face value and will leave you. <laughs> With me, I don't, I, you know, there'll be a poking and prodding. And there's a way of asking these questions, you know? Mm, yeah. And do you get uncomfortable then when, if people say, yeah, okay, right, you're, 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 from, you're from Dublin, but, but you're what? Do you, does it, when, when people ask, yeah, but tell me more, like, tell me more. Yeah, like, you know, and I, I'll be so honest with you, you, it depends on your mood. Mm. <laughs> you know, you're human, it depends on your mood. And having to go into a spiel of a story of, right, well, actually, so my grandmother's Irish, my granddad is Jamaican, that makes me quarter. Having to explain that all the time can be a bit annoying, you know? Mm. Like, my sister has a totally different complexion to me, and she gets it as well. She's a lot lighter skinned than me, and she gets it as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like it is still a question. I think there's that misconception that you can't have my colour skin or a black person's skin and have and be Irish. Yeah, that's a very, you unf- know, that's a very, very unfortunate perception. Well, isn't it? Because my question always is, PJ, well, what does an Irish person look like? Mm. Do you know what I mean? You write about that like, troubling you a lot and, and, and you write about it. I found it a very tough passage. You, you try to scrub 
yourself white. Yeah, well, I know that actually I didn't realise, I suppose you push things away and you don't talk about things, as I said, for years. But actually, a lot of people that I've been speaking with you in interviews and in meetings, that story actually has really grabbed people's attention. But that is a common thing. That is a common thing. You know, when somebody referred to me as dirty, I was 10. I was a little girl. You know, and there are things that stay with you, stick with you. You know, you, as a kid, there's loads of things that stick with people as children. Mm. And children, we remember everything. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We do. Oh, oh, thank you for saying that and say it again if you want to. They do. <laughs> what that Chil- we, we chil- do. Children remember absolutely everything. Yeah. Like they really do. You might think they're not listening or watching, but they're taking it all in. I said to somebody, I was, I was on Ireland AM this morning and... When children enter the world, we're a sponge. And that, that's what we are. The world is our oyster. Mm. And we learn. We learn from our parents. We learn from, from schooling. We learn, you know. So I always come back to, I strongly believe, and this is my opinion, PJ, mm. that you, it's a learned behavior. It's learned. And it's learned from adults. I, you know, a child that, doesn't yeah, know anything about colour when they enter this world. Do you know what? I, I having having had my own kids through school, Jade and and my my little boy when he was six or seven, he had a yard buddy called Mustaf. Yeah, and we thought okay. we thought Mustaf was a was a nickname until okay. we went down and discovered that Mustaf was a lad from Nigeria. Okay. Who, who who had well actually he was he was from Cork. His parents were Nigerian, but he'd been born in Cork, and he had a flat Cork accent. <laughs> but, but 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 all my all my son saw was his pal in the yard. Never this colour of mustache skin didn't enter into him at all. It was a kid he played with, and you're right. I think we don't. Children are never. No racist was ever born. They were taught. Yeah, I, 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 you know, that's my opinion. And, you know, okay, I think we have a very similar opinion on that. But people may argue that, you know, people may argue that. But I think it is a learned thing for absolute sure. Mm. While, you you, know, while you were writing the book, did you, did you come to any realisations about the Ireland in which you live and, and work now? Did I come to any realisations? Yeah, the realisation is that, you know, I think the change, I come back to that again, you know, I didn't go through what my mom went through. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if lucky is the right words. She should have never had to have gone through that in the first place anyway. But like times are getting better and we are progressing. Like we weren't always as multicultural as we are now. You I mean, you step outside your door, you step into the city centre, even down a Cork anywhere. And there is multicultural restaurants, businesses, And I think that's really great. We didn't have that where London progressed a lot earlier than us, you know, Um, and accept because, I mean, that's exciting. Do you know what I mean? I think it'd be a very, very boring world if we all looked the same, you know, Um, you know, like, I think just accepting um, diversity is, is progression. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I really think if you see something, say something, it's not okay. Um, to ignore things. I, I mean, I always come back to if it's safe to do so. 
Like if it's a situation that you feel safe to say something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? If you see something going on. Um, but you, you, we are. Like, I mean, look, I go back to my, my job. Yes. Our screens at the moment, um, there's a lot of actors on our screens now who represent um, the new diverse Ireland, which I think is great because people are seeing this at home. Where years and years ago, you didn't see that at home. You know, they had it in the UK, they had it in their soaps, but we didn't have it on our soaps here. Mm. We had Samantha Moon, but later on we had Root Nega. You know, we had Phil in it early on, but we didn't have, I didn't have a role model as such when I was growing up. Mm. Yeah. And I think for a little girl sitting at home, like I was once, you know, hoping to be on the screen one day or on stage, I hope that there's a lot of us out there now that have found our place and are given mm. people the hope and... You know, yeah. And and how is the career going, Jade? Will we will we see you on the telly or the screen, big screen, anytime soon? You will, you will. Actually, I've got it. I've got. You know, work has never been, never been busier for me. The lockdown was flat out. We're obviously with writing, and I got funding off Screen Ireland for my own first short film, which I wrote, starred in, and um, produced. Fantastic. So I shot that, which is coming out, um, which has been out. It, it made its premiere in Galway, and I can't announce it now. Um, but we have another festival coming really, really soon. Um, so I have that coming out soon. I have I'm have a role in Kin, which oh, is next you? week on Sunday. I do. I'm so looking forward um, to Kin, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be really, really great. I mean, if you've seen any any of the clips, they look brilliant. Um, they look amazing. The way it's shot and everything is is super, and the caliber of actors in it is fantastic. Um, then I've got a series out which um, is should be out next year for ITV and RTE. I can't name it unfortunately at the moment because it hasn't been announced. Okay. And I've got a feature film which is making its premiere at Toronto next week. Wow. Um, and then I'm about to wrap in Spain. I fly to Spain soon to wrap on a new series for ITV. So, I mean, I've been flat out. You're busy, busy, All busy. All that talk about myself. I don't like to talk about myself, but she's she's doing well at the moment. So I'm really thankful and, Good yeah, for you. really, really, and, really, and the really book, And the book is flying and it's going down well. And it's, you know what it is, Jade? And it's it's a complex issue that you address, but you address it in a way where you tell your story beautifully. You engage oh, the listener. Wow, thank you. And it is obviously... A biography or an autobiography, but it reads like a novel, and that's its selling point. Oh, wowzers! Well, well, I mean, it, it, yeah, it, 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 you know, and I dreamt of doing stuff like this years ago. But it's so funny. I never dreamt of doing a book. I, I, I dreamt of doing, you know, something for TV with it, maybe a feature film or something. Mm. But. I'm so grateful that Hachette approached me. Yeah. Um, I took to social media and voiced how I felt last year. And it's amazing that people are online and scouting for new talent and giving people an opportunity and giving people their opportunity to speak and voice how they feel. No, it's, um, it's, it's a super book. Yeah, you've, done, you've done a great job and, and lovely to talk to you today. I could spend, I could spend the day talking so to you, much. but if I had more to do... Come here, I'd have you here till all night, PJ. She <laughs> loves to have a chat. Um, but I know you've got other people to talk to. So. Jade, take care. Yeah. Lovely, lovely chatting with you.
Thank you very, very much for having me. Cheer. Appreciate it. Have a Cheer. good one. All right. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Just that question. Yeah, it was in America in nineteen sixty three. If if when 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 Larry and and her nanny got married in 1963, it would have been illegal in America for them to do that. Uh, not in the UK. They could in the UK. 1850 715996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie When you ring a radio station to complain about the show that's on air, but you don't realise you're actually on the air talking to the people doing the show. Would they ever go in holidays because of a bloody headache? Like, no matter where I go down here in East Cork, the photographs are on the back of buses. I just can't get into the two of them. Jesus, for somebody who doesn't like to be listening to them quite a lot, don't you? Well, I listen to 96 FM, like, you know. Okay, I get your brand, brand loyalty, I got you. Do, yeah. do, you know, do you know what's even worse than looking at them on a bus and, and listening to them on the radio? What? Ringing them up to complain about them. How's it going? Listen, it's good to listen to you guys. I love the fact. <laughs> in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city a long standing tradition in Cork open 24-7 at milldc.com Cork's 96FM Right scam alert for you uh, I've just had one I, I kept this number on my phone the last time I got scams for it and here it is again PTSD PTSB your account has been flagged due to an unusual payee request if this was not you, blah, 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 please click here and a link. Now, this is similar to one I got back in February when it said, your, PST, your PTSB Visa debit card has been used in an online transaction. I don't have a PTSB Visa debit card. I pay my mortgage to PTSB, but I have no debit card, no credit card, no current account, no nothing with PTSB. But they're still sending texts out, so be be wary of that. They're PTS. If you are a PTSB customer in particular, um, be careful of that. There's a there's there are scam texts going around. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six on gambling. Joe Quinn was on from Chalkwira. Uh, great place, great place with great people. Kid, you give the number out for anyone seeking support with gambling. Indeed, we can. It's o two one four two seven four. 378 one 3378 They're happy to do that. We're very, very proud supporters here at the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. William, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You got in touch with us because I think you want to highlight a poverty trap. Well, no, I don't think it's a property trap. What, I, what, I, what happened to me poverty was trap. that... No, no, a poverty. Well, yes, poverty. I'll touch it. Property because I, I'm, I'm an accountant. Anyway, the situation was I care for my daughter who's 43 years of age. Mm. And because I'm 78 years of age, I'm in, in receipt of widower's contributory pension. Yes. Now, um, I got a letter recently from the Department of Social Protection informing me that I would not be entitled to my fuel allowance this year because I'm on 18 euros over the limit. 
So I rang the department and asked them what the situation was. And they said, because I'm in receipt of half care allowance for my daughter, I'm disqualified from receiving the fuel allowance. 18 euro. 18 euros. Now, the situation is that from 2006 until 2012, I also kept my wife who had brain damage uh, from acquired brain uh, injury. And uh, I was still only getting the, the half carers allowance, which is 125 euros a week, even though I was caring for two people at the time mm-hmm. for six years. Now, the fuel allowance, they say, is means tested. And because I'm gone over the limit, I don't get the, I don't qualify for the fuel allowance this year. And how much is the fuel allowance, William? Um, good God, I don't know. To tell you the truth, I think it's about two fifty a week or something. Right, it's not a lot, but it's different. It's, it's a difference well, to you. Of course, it is because I I am just a pensioner and I just I, I care for my daughter. Now, I mean, this isn't. Uh, I think a new thing, and this has been going on for years with carers, because, like, you know, carers have been very badly treated in this country because of the situation that's going on. Because, I mean, the, the situation I, I feel is that if someone else is looking after it, uh, well, that's gone, we'll leave them alone. You know, that, that's a dependent mm. attitude. Mm. You never got a rise or anything, and any rise you could get is going to be means tested on something else. So if you get a rise of a fiver, you're going over the limit for something else. So it's a kind of a trap. They catch you one way, they get it to one way, and then they take it back another way. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. And have you any way of appealing this, or is it worth your while? Well, I did. I, I did inquire after after you know the lady, and in all fairness, was very understanding and very sympathetic towards my case. And I asked her what the, my avenue of appeal was, and she said, sadly, she said there was no avenue of appeal because uh, you're eating yours over the limit. Mm. 28 euros a week in season. Means tested, means tested. Yeah, 28 euros a week. 28 euros a week. I wouldn't even buy a bag of coffee. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's, I don't know, I can't, I can't understand where this, this business that we're all in it together comes from, you know, because obviously, I mean, of all the carers in the world, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if for one day every carer in the country decided, to put their loved one into the emerge, action and emergency at the local hospital. Can you imagine the chaos, Peter? True, true. <laughs> could you imagine the chaos? Yeah, come here, you looked, after, you're looking after your daughter, and before yes. that, you looked yes, after your... Yeah. Who looks after yeah. you, William? Well, there you go, thank you. Nobody looks after the carer. The carer is the one that's always missing in this situation. Nobody cares for the carer. Yeah. All they do, and like, if anybody who is applying for a carer, for a person, you're, you're, met, you're met with a flood of forms and papers. Uh, you know, and, and they, Peter Cox, uh, the Cox Carers Association there in, in, in Tokyo Street in Cox, he's an extraordinary man. He oh, helps Peter. people with their forms and stuff, you know. But, I mean, and I, I remember one time saying to this guy, what happens, I said, you know, he was an, an ex-worker uh, from the social welfare. Uh, he said, the, the the situation is deny, deny, deny mm. and hope that the person goes away with too much bombs. Yeah, Unfortunately, that is the way it is. William, I, I hope that something gets sorted out for you, but thanks for highlighting it. Um, it. It is something that happens, that the household income creeps over. Thank you, William Corcoran. The household income creeps up because you get a long-awaited increase.
in something, a small, tiny increase in something, and then all, you know, bang, they, they give with one hand and they take away with the other. Oh, we will absolutely take a quick call with Lauren Walsh. My dear old friend, Lauren, how are you, darling? Not too bad, PJ. Thanks. How are you? Good. Oh, good to hear your voice so strong. Oh, thank you. How are you, how are you feeling these days? You're in that hospital still? I am, yeah. I just came home on Friday now. So I've had kind of a nasty infection for the last month and a half. So I haven't been too good, really. Yeah, yeah. Just let people know you have EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, and you're involved in a few different groups like Stripe for Life, My EDS Journey, and all of that. And you've had it fairly rough for the last year and a bit. But you wanted to, to give a message to people about, you know, uh, kindness. Yeah, I do. Um, I suppose as someone who's sick for 17 years, I'm sick longer than I'm actually healthy because I got sick at 15 and I'm now 31. And you were saying this morning about, you know, acts of kindness and how can people be kind and, you know, the Bavine act of kindness, who I was really grateful to actually meet Bavine myself and oh, she's a beautiful child and condolences to them. Um, you were saying, you know, what can people do? And someone had said, uh, you know, someone opened their door and there was a box of chocolates outside there. But I was kind of saying... You know, you don't. It's not always. You can't put a price on kindness, and you don't always have to buy someone something to be kind. Mm. And as someone who's been sick for so long, people forget. You know, when you first get sick, everyone rallies around. They come and visit all the time. They ring you. They call. They text. You know, friends are great. But as you go on and admissions become more and more frequent, you start seeing less people and less people and less people. And unfortunately, in my own case, anyway, you know, friends they pass by. So I wouldn't be able to say, you know, that I've got my school friends or I've got my teenage years friends. So I wouldn't be able to say I've got friends really at all that I could call on. You know, I'm so lucky I've got my mom and my dad and my sister and my brother. But um, I suppose what I was saying really was, you know, if you have someone who is sick, um, keep in contact. You don't have to buy gifts or sending gifts but you know ring them, text them. I know at the moment you can't visit with COVID mm. but even just text, ask how they are. I suppose for me, when people forgot, I think people, you know, the saying, Irish or she's a dead hand at it now. You're not, no matter if I've been in hospital 20 times, it's the exact same as if I've been there for the first time. It's lonely, it's isolating. 10 minutes phone call from someone that you might have not seen in a while, it can mean so much. Um, I'm lucky that I have a blog, so I've got a lot of friends online they're not friends now, as I say, that I could just ring for a chat or say, you know, do you want to go for a walk today? I don't have that kind of friendship. But there is a lot of people out there like myself who are sick a long time, but they wouldn't have a blog. So I'm lucky that I have that. But there are people who don't. And I was just urging people, if you've got someone who is sick and even if it's it maybe 10 years and you may feel awkward that, oh, my God, I forgot to call to that person and it's too long now. It won't be because we don't hold grudges, especially when you're sick because you see a different perspective on life. Mm. Just maybe pick up the phone, text them, ask them how they are. They will remember you. Believe me, I remember all my friends from mm. when I was younger. If one of them picked up the phone, I would automatically remember them. Yeah. Um, so I suppose, yeah, just as an act of kindness, and, don't and, forget. And do people drift away, Lauren? Oh God, they do. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And is it because is it because they they genuinely don't know what to do or say? Um, I don't know because I suppose at the start, my school friends when I was that age would have kept visiting when I was in hospital, and they would have been great. They would have taken it in turns at the weekends to come in and visit. I don't think it's people 
don't know what to do or say. But I suppose life is very busy. As you know yourself, life is hectic. Mm-hmm. But just take time out of your day, you know, maybe four or five minutes out of your day. You will find that time if it's only while you're sitting down having a coffee. I think it's just that, yeah, it's time. People will move on. They make friends. They have college. They may think, you know, oh, the person may not want to visit her. But they do, I suppose, like, maybe if I had not been sick as well, I I wouldn't have understood the importance that no matter if that person is still six, seventeen years later, they would still love to hear from you. You know, when you're, I suppose, someone like me and you're in hospital all the time, the topic is illness constantly. But just to have a normal conversation about like how like I didn't get to go to college, you know, if I got to speak about, oh, and how was your day in college? Or, you know, what did you do for the weekend? It just really breaks up the monotony of the sickness. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's that they don't know what to do. I just think it's life is so hectic now and people are so busy and we just don't tend to pause for a moment. We don't tend to think, you know, oh, my God, I haven't actually checked in with that person yeah. It's just something simple, really. It's it's something that you, money, as I said, like it's money can't buy it. It's not even the price of a stamp. It's literally, don't be afraid. You know, keep calling. It doesn't get easier for the person. I know you can't call to hospitals now with COVID and yeah. things, but you can ring them. You know, you could write them a letter. If they're at home, you could drive by the window. I just think it. You know. People are afraid. They're afraid that, like, oh, my God, we feel bad that we haven't been in contact. But as I say, personally, me, I wouldn't hold a grudge. It's been 10 or 11 years now. If my friends came to the door, I'd welcome them with open arms. And I I would presume that anyone who's in the situation would be the same. Yeah. Yeah. How is your how is your best little friend at the moment? How's Archie? Oh, sure. I have my best friend, Archie. He's great. Yeah. He's got an ear infection at the moment now. So Mm -hmm. he's getting on in age. He's 11. I was only having a, a word with him yesterday that, you know, Archie, you have to live as long as I live, so you better get better every soon, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Finn is just on to say what a, what a lovely person you are. People can follow you all over Facebook. And, and then I think one of the reasons that people kind of, you know, might stay back sometimes is when a person like yourself is going through something particularly painful and particularly distressing, they don't want to intrude. And, and 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 how do you address that? Um, yeah, I I would think that probably is a topic, and I suppose for someone like myself, who my whole image is totally different to what my friends would have remembered me by. You know, you probably know yourself. I've got shoes hanging out of every part of my body, so I suppose it's probably awkward for them because you know you go to visit someone and you're trying not to look at the tubes, you're trying to look at the person, and that kind of thing I do feel, that does happen at times. But like, you know, you just you just carry on, you just, you see past the tubes, you see past the wires. If there's something you're not comfortable with, I mean, and there is people who are queasy, you, you know, you would just say, look, oh my God, I'm queasy. You just step outside if there's something, you know, if you don't want to call in person, just ring them. I don't know, really. Just, just make the effort, it will be appreciated. It is wonderful to speak to you and I promise because I myself am guilty of this I haven't seen you in a very very long time since I Oh well I forgive you now PJ I mean there has been COVID to be fair (laughs) (laughs) But yeah and if you if I I, I'll get the smell of coffee cake and I'll be down like like, like a a tree. But even the day you know you yourself that you called down to me like and I didn't even know you were coming you came on a whim like oh that just brightened my whole week you know just to see someone different and it's just lovely when you're sick just to have someone to call and chat and it just, yeah, it really brightens up your day. And as I say, like, just for anyone out there who has someone sick, like if they're listening in and 
it doesn't matter if it's a year, two years, three years, just pick up the phone and for anyone who's got someone who's newly sick, don't think, you know, oh God, like ever, I'm already after contacting them now, like I'll annoy them, you know, they may not want, they may be too sick, they may not answer. No, the person, like, if you don't get an answer, obviously the person then may be sick, but they'll always contact you back. Okay. I think anyone would just love to just have, just to keep up friendship and keep up the kindness and just to do your bit, really, yeah. Lauren, we'll chat again uh, and look after yourself. Uh, That's uh, Lauren Walsh uh, battling for the last 17 years Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Stripes for Life, my EDS journey, you'll find out more. Oh, so great to hear her voice so strong. 1850 715 996. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Quickly, Kathleen, I wonder if anyone can do this for us. Uh, Kathleen has been on saying, I'm finding it very hard to get a prayer book and a rosary beads for my grandson's communion, which is on this weekend. God, if we could help with that, to be great. Anyone sort that out for us or, or help Kathleen see where she'd go? There's your random act of kindness for the day. Trying to get a, a prayer book and a rosary beads for my grandson's communion at the weekend. See what we can do, Kathleen. Lastly today, Ultimate Hell Week is back. It's the Celebrity Challenge uh, and it's, we've seen this before, it's the Special Forces Unit. It's a selection course for the Army Rangers and they put a bunch of celebrities into it to see who'd survive and who'd make it into the Army Rangers. It starts tonight. Uh, Give the details at the end. But I've been talking to one of the professionals, one of the uh, celebrities taking part in it, rugby star Anna Catless. Anna, I would imagine as a full-time sports person you had some idea of what you were getting involved in here in terms of physical endurance, or, or am I totally wrong? Um, no, not totally wrong, but it was hard to gauge. Like, uh, for example, you know, in, in rugby, it's very, it's very um, measured. You know how many runs you're doing, you know how long you're running I'm talking about in training now obviously yeah. a match is different but at least also in a match you know that it's going for 40 minutes there's a break and then another 40 do you know but in Hell Week we had no idea how long we'd be doing for what was coming next like that was very hard to that was a real you know real challenge not knowing what was coming next or when it was going to end <laughs> dragged out of your bed at, at stupid o'clock that's the least of it I think that was that was grim. <laughs> that was grim enough. Like I, I'm a, I'm a, a light sleeper at the at the best times, and um, I just remember one of the nights that you know tr- desperately trying to get a few, a few minutes sleep, and all of a sudden the DS was in the doorway, and I I, I hadn't even closed my eyes. That was grim, and uh, he told us what time it was, and up out on on. Out, get your get your breakfast and, and outside into your, into these clothes and outside and there's there's no waiting around there's no snooze button you know off out and and uh, you just had to kind of laugh and smile and, and and get on with it somehow but uh, it was um yeah again coming from a training environment where sleep is so important that was a real challenge yeah. as well definitely also in a training environment I don't imagine if anybody swearing at you like that's that's the rough end of the stick yeah and it's you know. You'd, you know, you'd watch these shows and, and you think, um, 
ah, you know, they're only doing it for like theatrics or this is only part of the show, but they, they, could, they could punish you for anything at any, they did. Punish <laughs> so, you? Like. Oh yeah, there was punishments galore. Like um, there was, there was a, a bell and it was down some steps and you only had a certain time to go ring the bell and, and make it back up. And that, that'll be, that'll be fun throughout the show, but that was a, a form of punishment um, for us. And it was, oh, like it was uh, really tough. And they're shouting at you, you only have 10 seconds to make it back and you're dying like your legs are burning and 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 you're you know um it could be the middle of the night it could be the thing is none of us knew what time it was at any stage anyway so um yeah that 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 was that was tough so you'd be punished or just you know normal kind of uh you know into your squat position or into your press-up position and just hold it and hold the bar over your head and you know people could see that already in the ad you know that was the feature of the ad the grimacing you know holding these like positions so yeah and you know, you could be punished for looking sideways or, or just kind of uh, moving when you shouldn't have been. And, you know, so it's it's not really for theatrics. Like, this is the training they go through. Yeah. So they want to, you know, they want to push it onto you as, as, as much as, you know, as, as as much as possible. I can anticipate the, the call that will come in, Anna, in the, the day or two after each show. And some of them will focus mm. on, is it necessary to be so rude? Is it necessary to use such bad language? Uh, it's just a television mm. show. Like as someone who took part, did you feel in any way uncomfortable? Were you made to feel uncomfortable? Absolutely not. No, no way. Because you know, again, you you understand that this is the, you know the type of training and the type of intense training, and sometimes you achieve achieve that intensity through using you know bad language, which is a strange concept when you think about it. But actually, it's true, and we do it in rugby as well, and we do it in an, an, an awful lot of you know aspects of our life. Um, you know, you, you you get emotional, passionate, and you know you start using bad language. So that I, you know, I wasn't shocked by that. Definitely never made me feel uncomfortable. And you know, at the end of it, the you know when you've pushed through and they're pushing you, and like you know, you you see the very tough exterior to 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 the um to the DSs, but like you know that they're willing you on, and you know that they're kind of backing you, yeah. and that means an awful lot more than, you know, someone who's kind of like fluffing you up all the time and like, you know, you can do it and, you know, don't, trying to, you know, yeah. a, a different kind of... Positivity works sometimes, but but occasionally you, you need, figuratively anyway, a kick in the backside. Yeah, and especially in that environment, yeah. Yeah. It's very topical, really, Anna, when you think about it, because it's only in the last week or two we were talking about the Rangers heading out to Afghanistan. I imagine that it gave mm. you a whole level of respect for the people that actually make it to that elite wing. Absolutely. And when I heard that on the news, every time I was hearing that on the news, I, my ears pricked up because of the experience that I'd been through, because I can see how tough these these guys are and just, you know, the, the task that was ahead of them getting in and out of Afghanistan and rescuing people, I felt, you know, very hopeful for those people that these guys wouldn't stop at anything. You know, mm. there's no challenge that they couldn't overcome. And I, you can see that when you're there and hopefully I'm, I'm sure that that will shine through in the show as well. Yeah. And when people tell us that they are the best, you have a first-hand experience, they are the best. Yeah, yeah. Inside Nicopolis, uh, rugby star Nicopolis. Peter Stringer is also in it. Um, and uh, Valerie Mulcahy, the footballer, is in it. We'll 
probably catch up with them during the course of Ultimate Hell Week starts tonight at 9.35 on RTE1. Some suggestions for Kathleen St. Anthony Stores, Liberty Street, Shop Down the Lane near Tesco on Paul Street, Benedictus or Veritas in Christchurch Street, Easton's in Wilton, Sacred Heart Church, Western Road. Lots of suggestions for Kathleen. We'll see if we can help her find those things for her grandson's communion. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.